Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Our guest today is running an intriguing business, which is helping people in a unique way. Anthony Simons, and with his wife, Lauren, run a company called Fit and Well. He has a bachelor's with honors in social work and is an accredited strength and conditioning coach. I don't want to get too much into what you do because I don't want to steal your thunder, Anthony, But because I'm really looking forward to you explaining it to the audience. But for, I do want to welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thanks, Matt. It's a good day and happy to be here with you. Well, we're real, real glad you could make it and you could, get, and you could leave your, your daughter Zoe here yeah. for a little bit with yeah. your wife. Yeah, hard she, as it is, but, uh, but, but worth talking about something we're really passionate about and together. She, and she's what, two and a half? She's two and a half and she's acting like a two and a half and showing her, her true form. But um, something I've been absolutely blessed to be a part of is to, to be a father and, and to start that journey. It's something I couldn't imagine when I was younger, but I'm so excited about doing it now. It is way better than advertised. I mean, oh, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? So much better. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's those little moments. Those little yeah. moments are just amazing. It's really cool. Um, and you've got another one coming too here in March, I think. Don't yeah, you? yeah. We've yeah. got a, we've got another one coming in March and it's, um, it's going to be another amazing addition to our family. And I, I've been saying to Lauren, I, I really think you become full-time parents when it gets to number two. Okay. When, when, when it's one, you might be able to say, oh, can you look after Zoe while I go and do this? But I think we're going to be all in and um, a bit, really busy family. But again, something I'm really excited about and something that I'm really um, blessed to have in my world. Well, I heard a comedian one time talk about you're not a parent if you only have one child. Uh, I think that's be- definitely because, true. Because uh, uh, for a couple of reasons. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, you if something gets broke, you know who did it. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> and second of all, you don't have to listen to, mine, mine, mine. Yeah, <laughs> Will exactly. you quit touching me? Will you quit touching me? He's looking at me. <laughs> you don't have to listen to any of that if you've only – actually, if you are listening to that and you only have one child, ooh, you yeah, might Yeah, I was going to say, there some could counseling. be some problems yeah, if you're yeah. hearing that. But no, she's, yeah. um, no, it's going to be a very exciting time coming up for us. All right. Well, can you please tell us, uh, the audience, a little bit about your background as far as your athletic career, your education, your work career, and how they all melded together uh, to do uh, to to create what you're doing now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I've been a very very fortunate um, person in into in my world. Um, so my family has always been very attracted to sport, and as at a very young age, I was always involved in different sport from football, um, cricket, a range range of sport that young people get into. But it wasn't until I was about 13 that I started doing pole vaulting. Now. Pole vaulting is a very unique sport. Um, it's one of those kind of sports that not many people know about. But um, in South Australia, we have one of the richest histories of pole vaulting and one of the most successful sporting groups in the world, actually. Um, you know, we've produced Olympic athletes, Commonwealth Games athletes. My father was a pole vaulter, and that's where I found myself mm. starting to vault. So I was, um, I was uh, uh, quite a successful vaulter from 13. I won several underage national titles and, and, and really enjoyed the sport. I really enjoyed 
my, the time with my father as well. That was a, a, an extremely important part of my life growing up. Um, and so vaulting for me was not only about the sport. It was definitely about connecting with my father. And it also, as I look back on it, became such an important part of my well-being. Um, if school was going badly, if my relationships weren't going great, if I was stressed, um, vaulting was always something I could go back to. And I mm. always felt safe at and I almost felt really good at. Um, When I was finishing school, I began to move into university and I was again very fortunate that I knew very early on that I wanted to be um, a social worker. Um, I I can't tell you any revelation. I I was very fortunate as a young person that I didn't have a lot of um, challenges in, in my world, but it just was something that very much, um, very much came across my desk and I loved helping people and I loved doing that. So I started my social work degree. Probably about two years into my, um, into my social work degree, um, uh, so I was about probably 19 or 20, uh, my vaulting began to peter out a bit. It began to struggle. Uh, my performances weren't as good as they were and they weren't um, to the level I wanted them to be. And I had to begin to explore ways to get better. As I was, at the same time as I was going through that struggle, I was learning all these things in social work. I was learning these concepts like mindfulness. I was learning these concepts like the acceptance and commitment therapy. I was learning concepts in cognitive behavioural therapy. And what I was actually seeing was, hey, these are things that link with my sport. These are things that I can use to try and get over the bump that I'm in right now and get better. So I began just personally to explore um, using mindfulness, meditation and lots of things in my sport more and more and more and using these techniques I learned in social work. So that was really the start of beginning to bring together these two worlds. Fast forward a few more years, I was still jumping quite well and I was um, about 27, 28 and I started to do some coaching. Now, when I was coaching, I was not only trying to get an athlete to do the best they can performance-wise, I found myself dealing with anxious athletes, mm. athletes who were struggling with their performance. I, I um, found athletes who were um, maybe struggling with their mental health in, in general. And again, I kept pulling from my social work toolkit about, about how, to, how to use these tools in an athletic setting. At the same time, I was developing my coaching craft through some uh, camps at um, with the AIS and a few places like that, and they kept talking about elite performance athletes, and they said, oh, they would be talking about, um, you know, visualisation and these tools that you can use to help athletes perform at a really high level. And again, what I found was, wait a minute, that's, that's what I learned in social work. That's, that's the cognitive behavioural therapy in action. You're just saying it in a sports setting. So from there, I planted this seed that there's an interlinking between sports and sports and um, and social work and and wellness and well-being. And over the last few years, as I started fitting well, what I really began to do is I began to say, right, I want to really find a way to um, bring sport and activity into a therapeutic setting. For me, it was the gym. I, I, I loved working out. Um, the gym was a consistent place for me. It was a place where I had, I could um, do a lot of 
I could work out consistently. It was a safe place. It was a really healthy place to be. Um, and all the research around exercise and the benefits of exercise was really clear. So that's where it all began to came, come together is I had all this information sitting in my head about like, right, there's sports really good for mental health and well-being. Um, there's all these links and connections between um, social work and psychology that we can bring across into a sports realm. How can I do that? So I started Fit and Well, which is an exercise-based therapy company or business. And what we do is we use exercise as a therapeutic tool with young people mm. to help them with all sorts of mental health and well-being challenges that they are facing. Um, and it's something that I kind of uh, – my saying is um, it's spaghetti against the wall. I had an idea and I chucked something out there and um, it just began to grow. And it just began to grow and I began to see – how effective it could be but I also began to see how it can impact people in so many different ways again it, it's been a very very big privilege privilege to be a part of that but it's been so exciting to watch it grow and to be able to do what I love doing as well wow that is an awesome story mm. and the evolution it's in as public speaking we call that the hero's journey mm. I don't know if you knew that or not but mm. probably did yeah yeah I had heard of that yeah, and, yeah. but I, I also just think that um you know, for me, when I started, it, it all made sense. Mm. Um, I did a lot of research before starting the business. And to find out that it wasn't um, actually something that was present, to find out that nowhere in the world had ever explored this concept. There had been mm. bits and pieces, there had been some research, but nowhere in the world had ever explored a full therapeutic setting uh, for for, for um, exercise based around exercise. And I thought... Well, there's something in this. We, we, with the evidence says it. Everything's there. There's just a big gap. Let's let's fill that gap and see where we end up. Wow. There's just a couple quick things that I'd like to underline that mm. you said that kind of resonated with me. Uh, I uh, just gave a talk a couple weeks ago on overcoming adversity as mm. a, as a public speaker myself. Mm. Actually, I'm doing another one this mm. Wednesday. Yeah. We were talking about yeah. it at the uh, in uh, in '96 uh, uh, Sir Donald Bradman Drive in Hilton. Mm. There yeah. at seven o'clock. Uh, on Wednesday night, mm -hmm. but um, the point that one of the points I made was when you're having adversity, you've got to have something that you're good at or or that to fall back on. Mm. You know, so mm. you know, I gave the example of you know, and, and you gave the example of pole vaulting. Mm. You might be like, oh my god, I'm failing this class, but I'm a really good pole vaulter. Mm. I mean, so if you have something like that in business where you're, mm. you know, you're, uh, oh my gosh, we're losing money hand over mm. fist. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to get my black belt in karate. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I've got the test this week. Mm. That kind of thing makes a big difference mentally. So yeah, it, it seems like you really play to that. And, and then the other thing I wanted to say, uh, and I actually, you know, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna have time to bring this mm. up. But I read a study, and I'd like your comment mm. on this: mm. that exercise, uh, you know, uh, they've done these studies that show that exercise is actually better for a lot of depression and mm. anxiety. They get better results for people that exercise mm. than the ones that actually take medication. Mm. Mm. So can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, and I think I, I think very clearly that the, there's a role for medication in, in mental health. But the one thing that I've found is that um, through Fit and Well is 
exercise is so multidimensional. People get a benefit from showing up to me and working out with me for an hour with very limited conversation, but they walk out feeling really positive because they've got their adrenaline running, they've got that dopamine going through them, they've just moved for an hour. But it also is a place for challenging yourself and Mm. challenging yourself to be better and challenging yourself to do incremental steps, just get better little steps at a time. And for some of my clients, I'm really clear with them, you showed up today and we are proud of you. And we are because Mm. that is the biggest challenge for them. So instead of just saying, like, take this medication, it's a fix or you'll feel better, what you actually begin to develop is this internal sense of uh, of internal pride and Mm. internal drive and internal motivation and that's one of the things we see the most with our clients is we've got clients who've never touched a weight before never ever even played a sport before they were told very quickly at some point in their life that sport is not good for them maybe they failed a team sport Mm. but they'll come to me and they'll they'll move some weight around with me very like within the first few sessions and they'll just sit there and say i achieved something i've done something that i never thought i can do and bang, we are already on a nice road that's saying, if you can do this, how are we going to beat that anxiety? How are mm. we going to beat the, the thing that's really challenging you? So it's also a measure of them. as uh, It also can help them say, I can be better than, than I think I can be. And it's really, really rewarding to, to see that. It's so rewarding to see people who don't maybe look or fit the normal sports build who have stories of I went and played football and I, I just didn't like it, I couldn't do it, and then they come and they come to me with low expectations, I can't do this, and they walk out and they say, oh, I feel way better for doing that. You know, I've done something I never thought I can, and we're like, good, there's our first brick. And I think that's what um, medication can never do. It can mm. never replace that internal drive, passion, that internal motivation that can come from d- doing something for yourself and doing something well for yourself, which I think is an amazing thing that I, I'm, again, grateful to see and grateful to do. Wow. So that's, uh, that's some great stuff, Anthony. We're going to be back in just a little bit with Anthony Simons. He's going to talk a little bit about more, uh, more about how you can help yourself and others with uh, the program he's developed. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're here with Anthony Simmons, uh, operator and founder of Fit and Well, uh, a business that helps uh, people in a w- utilizing exercise uh, through th- and therapy together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked in the last session, I think we ended up a little bit about medication. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're not saying don't take medication, mm-hmm. listen to your doctor, but uh, that exercise, a lot of studies have indicated that exercise done the right way is more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about your clients because uh, when you first started out the business, you expected your clients to be what? Yeah, um, I, I, when I first started the business, um, I kind of – the challenge I saw was there was a real group of people who really struggled to, to seek help and, and didn't didn't necessarily fit into a traditional talk-based or let's sit down and talk about your problems kind of, kind of uh, environment. And I, I really thought that – in opening Fit and Well, the main people we might get are, are males, um, particularly maybe males who, who maybe struggle to articulate how they are going with their mental health and are struggling to, to talk about their feelings and so might find a, a person sitting in a room telling them, how do you feel, a bit intimidating. So that's where I thought I was going to start that journey. Um, but it turned out to be very different and 
it's been an amazing journey of meeting some amazing clients and some um, wonderful people and wonderful families that and – and I stand by this going back to one of our opening comments about Zoe. I, I stand by that I learned a lot from the parents that I work with as well mm-hmm. uh, as a young father. And um, it, it, the clients I get are, are just so diverse, uh, gender, um, backgrounds. It's been amazing to, mm-hmm. to, to, to build, work with them. And again, just for, to remind our listeners, uh, Anthony has a degree in social work as well as uh, is certified as a uh, fitness coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, uh, so the average age. Of, tell us about the oldest client you have mm-hmm. and the youngest client. What are the age? What's the age range here? Yeah. So, so the, 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 roughly we would work with you know um, fourteen to, to twenty two and up to twenty five. And mm-hmm. um, one thing we're really clear about is you know we'll talk to anyone who wants to to have a conversation with us about what we do. But I've always worked the young with teenagers, so that's been mm-hmm. my strength for a long time. So currently we've got some some young clients working out with us, and then um, you know fourteen year olds and. Every single session, every single client is treated uniquely. Every single client is, is, uh, we talk about the idea of building a service around them and building a service around what they need. Um, So a a session and a service for a a 14-year-old young male might look different from a 20-year-old young female. So um, it's a very unique service and it's something that we're very proud of and it's something that we talk a lot about as we build the service around the client. Mm. We don't just say, right, this is fitting well, this is how you're going to fit into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you will fit around you. Yeah, that's very important. Mm. You know, everybody's got different needs. Yeah. Um, one thing that you just uh, kind of alluded to that I'd like to expand on is it, since you're working with people between 14 and 22, uh, one of the real cool things I think about your program is you're setting a foundation for people. Mm. So these are young people, teenagers, so, you know, and you're teaching them that, you know, you use exercise, physical, you know, be balanced, you know, to handle the anxiety, depression, mm. these other things that they're having. Yeah. You know, you're establishing the right patterns mm. of behavior mm. that are going to help them in the long run instead of somebody that's 40 that's like, okay, well, uh, you know, I've, I'm depressed and I've got this problem, the other problem, the other problem. So, yeah, I'm going to lose 45 kilograms, stop drinking alcohol, mm. and, and all this big laundry yeah. list of habits they've developed over 20 years that are hurting them. Yeah, and it's not only that because we always say this, so we've got, we, we work with people on their on their fitness and their and their and their mental health and improving the challenges, but there's another overarching discussion we have, which is we are trying to teach them habits to be able to impact their lifetime. Mm. So what we do is we and everyone that loves them. Yeah, I mean their future children, yeah. their future partner, I exactly mean, the family they're in now. Sorry to interrupt mm, you, but yeah. it's it's just such a big mm. you know thing that you're doing. Yeah, and it's also about telling them like let's teach you how to be how to be healthy let's teach you healthy habits so when we they come for a session at fit and well um we will teach them how to use you know how to build a workout we'll teach them um gym etiquette we'll teach them and educate them about different exercises because one of our clear goals with clients is not only improving their mental health and and, and trying to work on the challenges they face but also saying if you leave our service and you can walk into a gym and do a workout and you do that three times a week and we never see you again we're good because you are taking control of your life and you're building healthy habits. Mm. So it's something we're fiercely proud of is that we now have a, about 75% of our clients who come to our service 
are not only using our service but also have joined a gym. Mm. And so they are doing maybe two sessions in a gym and then coming to us. And we're teaching them about how to use that gym effectively. We're meeting them out of that gym and saying, oh, let's look around this gym and let's see how you can do this, how you can do this, and here's how you can do this exercise. So there's the short-term working on your anxiety or working on what the challenge that faces you, but we also really fiercely want to promote a healthy lifestyle that the day they walk away from us, they can walk into a gym and still be and able to work out really effectively, safely, is big thing, safely and on their own and feel really good about that. So they're not reliant on us. Um, and it's probably one of the proudest things that we do do is such a, a large number of our clients are now at private gyms doing their own workouts and showing a real interest in getting healthier, which is we're really proud of them for that. Wow. Well, actually, yeah, what I'm hearing is that you focus on – uh, and again, we're not saying don't do medication, mm. don't do counseling, mm. whatever. But instead of somebody taking, you know, Prozac or mm. whatever for ten years, mm. or having counts talk therapy for a decade or mm. whatever, you're trying to teach these kids uh, instead of giving them fish, you're trying mm. to teach them to fish for themselves. Yeah, you're trying to teach them to establish habits that are going to carry them through, mm. you know, the next forty, fifty, sixty years. Yeah, yeah, and lots of that is actually done on their own accord, like. It was something we hoped for, but not necessarily something we banked on. But what will end up happening is, you know, a client will show up to us and say, oh, I'm thinking of joining this gym, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then we'll be like, okay, cool. If you're going to join that gym, let's begin to teach you making sure you know how to use that gym really effectively. And um, for us, it's really empowering because it's also about telling them that, like, the the challenges they face um, individually, whether it be anxiety or depression, like, we want to work on that. We want to support that. But there's this whole other side of them, which is them as people. Mm-hmm. And exercise is a good way for your mental health, but it's also just mm-hmm. a great habit to get into. And the studies are really clear about just how beneficial just general exercise is just mm-hmm. to be well. And so um, it's something that, again, every time a client comes to us and says, oh, I've joined a gym and um, I'm going there twice a week and I'm seeing you on this week. And I'm like, awesome. That's going to be amazing. Let's just make sure that we can support you in that journey and making sure that you're consistent showing up to the gym because it's something that when they leave our service, which we, um, I always say we're, we're, we're happy to see you stay, but we're even happy to see you leave mm. because that means you're, you're ready to go. Let's get out there. Mm. Um, it's really rewarding for us to see. And it's, again, one of the most proudest aspects of our work. Yeah, I really want to underline and make clear to the audience uh, that you're not just – uh, you know, promoting, hey, go in and lift some weights and do some mm. cardio and you'll feel a lot better mentally. Mm. You actually are a social worker. Yeah. Okay. You actually are degreed. Mm. Okay. And you're, you're working with them. Uh, tell them how, t- talk about the talk therapy you're doing while you're exercising and, mm. and how that whole thing goes together. And- please. Yeah, it's an amazing thing because it can look so different. Um, so one of the kind of classic examples I give is, um, so what I talk about is the idea of incidental counselling or counselling when between sets and counselling when, you know, we'll be just chatting between, you know, as I set up the um, a bar for another lift or get ready for the next exercise, we'll just chat away. And the client is somewhat disarmed by that Mm because it's not that I'm going to sit down and talk to you and really intensely focus on an issue. It's more like we're chatting now. As a social worker, it's running through my head what I need to do and it's it's really kind of... um, Work, I'm working on, like, I'm thinking, oh, what are they talking to me about? How's, how's this going? And what can I use to really support this? But also it's a lot about um, just making that really informal, safe atmosphere for them to feel like 
it's not counselling. And that's one of the biggest feedbacks we get from our clients is that didn't feel like counselling. And to me, that's the most important thing because the clients we deal with are often people who might have tried um, other forms of talk therapy and maybe haven't fitted into that method. Now, um, we're always very, very clear that there are great social workers out there and there are great psychologists and counsellors. There are amazing people doing amazing things, but not all young people fit into that mm-hmm. space. And we always say we are an answer, not the answer. We're not trying to be better than someone else and say this is the best approach. Our focus has always been that um, every young person deserves a right deserves a well-being service that works for them and so we so our uh, in our talk therapy set in our talking it can be really informal but having said that i've had sessions where a person's come into me i've sat on a bench press bench they've sat on a plyo box and we've talked for an hour Mm. not one weight was lifted but that's because they needed on that day Mm. that's what they needed to do is they just needed to talk and i find that really rewarding because that's the ability for the client to dictate the session it's the ability for the client to kind of say oh, i really want to work out today i've had a really rough day i, I really want to move around and, and do so, get some energy out and we'll talk about that rough day as we're working out mm-hmm. but then at the same time uh, if they're just saying i don't really want to work out i just want to talk well we've got the space let's sit down and just talk and mm. both are very rewarding for me wow. and both are very effective because it serves the need of that client at that point of time. I think that's so powerful. I mean, any any business person would tell you the most important business is done in the golf course. Mm. And uh, it's the same thing with what sounds like the same mm. thing you're doing is that, you know, when you're working with these uh, young, young people – because uh, it's a you know an exercise type mm. thing I, instead of you know a, a professional mm. in the sitting in the chair you know <laughs> uh, you know the, the with the lights down and the, you with your little notepad or whatever mm. their resistance is so far down mm. Mm. you know that you can actually get work done yeah yeah so and it, it's also sometimes there's opportunities where they'll say something you know I'll suddenly just let's put things down and let's just talk for a minute mm. because they've hit something that I think yeah we need to have a little bit of a a conversation around that so the weights just go down and we might spend five minutes chatting away then we bring it back up again back into the session kind of thing like that. Mm. but it's 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 amazing and i again it's really privileged i'm really privileged to do what i do because i love seeing that dynamics and i love seeing um the young people use the service so differently and everyone uses it differently and it's something again we're very proud of doing mm. Well, we're going to be back in just a little bit with Anthony Simons. He's going to talk about some other ways uh, that he can help other people that maybe you could apply in your own life, and as well as some success stories Mm. and some amazing stories that uh, we haven't even got to yet. So we'll be right back. Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome back. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're here with Anthony Simons uh, from Fit and Well. He uh, has a company that works he, – he's a social worker uh, that has a company that works with young people uh, in a different kind of uh, way where he utilizes exercise as part of the therapy. And in the last session, we were talking about uh, you know some of the ways that that helps kids open up. Uh, but I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the uh, – and you're helping kids with depression and anxiety and all that, but you're doing some tough cases too. You're helping out uh, people with autism even. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, 
a few of our clients have come to us uh, who who do have autism, and um, one thing I found is uh, is autism can be a really big barrier just just purely from an exercise perspective of going into a gym uh, and and working out and being healthy. It can be a really big uh, challenge for them. So, um, you know, some of the clients we work with who have autism, it's also just a safe place for them to dis- begin to discover working out and to begin to discover um, healthy lifestyle and healthy habits and and a place where they can um, feel safe and connected to me. Um, I learn about them. I learn about their needs and how they work. And then at the same time, ensuring that they're working out and learning to work out safely. And uh, as we know, autism is is a huge spectrum. Mm -hmm. And it's also about finding um, exercises that work for them. It's also about finding ways that sessions can work for them. And this is where my wife, Lauren, plays a huge part with me. So Lauren is an inclusive uh, educator at a school. And she works very closely with a number of people, a number of her students who have autisms and who who are on that spectrum. And her role in this business is so important for me because she talks to me about, okay, so this young person has autism. This is how you might structure a session. This is what you might need to consider in the session. And even the language I use and making sure that I don't, um, you know, have too much information and and things like that. So um, the clients who come to us with autism are an amazing group of young people. Um, And again, something I'm so grateful for them to come and give me the the chance to work out with them. But it also is such a, a, a really welcome challenge for me to say, you still deserve the right, to, as does everyone, to, to, to exercise, feel healthy, to have your um, to talk about your mental health just like everyone else. So how can I make my service work for you to make sure that you get all of those things together? And even uh, going back to our last, um, our last conversation, um, lots of the young people with autism are going to gyms and, and getting into gyms based around their work with us, and it's been really, really rewarding for that. So um, our, our, some of the... Sh- clients who who are autistic it's it's an amazing um, experience for me working with them and i really enjoy it Mm. yeah and i wasn't trying to say that autism is more Mm. difficult than depression Mm. or anxiety Mm. or whatever Mm. but what i'm saying is is that uh, that is uh you know something that uh people might not even think about Mm. you Mm. know yeah Uh, and, and 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 uh, it, it, what other kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to say hard cases, because they're mm. all hard, just in mm. different ways, but mm. what other uh, people have you been able to, groups have you been able to help out? Yeah, so um, we've had uh, we've had a quite a few, um, uh, quite a bit of success with young people who are struggling to get to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's those clients are really, really good because it's one of those client groups where I let, what I call let the exercise do the speaking. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I don't need to do a lot of talking with them. Mm-hmm. The exercise does the work for me. And so an example of that would be if I have a young – I've worked with young people who are struggling to get to school and I'll, and I'll get them doing a cardio workout. Mm-hmm. And they're working out really hard. They're sweating. They're huffing. They're puffing. And they're really mm-hmm. struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get through it. And mm-hmm. the conversation starts – you managed to do something you never thought you were able to do at the start of this session. Mm-hmm. Um, you really pushed yourself and pushed yourself hard to, to get through this, and you got there. It was hard. You thought you couldn't, but you, you did. Um, and then we would use that as a, impetus to, a conversation about saying, so in at school, you, you know you can do things that are really hard. You've just done that. You've proved to yourself that you can do things that are really hard and, and push yourself really hard. Let's but take that skill set let's take that inner drive that you've just shown me and place it in 
in a school setting and really try and, and have that success getting you back to school and, and, and trying to integrate you back into learning. We've also um, are very closely connected with members of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And that's been, again, a huge privilege for me because, as I said uh, a while ago, working with, uh, you know, where I started thinking I was going to work with lots of um, particularly young men who might struggle to speak, going into um that space has been amazing, not just for me as a practitioner, but also to see what I can do with Fit and Well and to see what is possible. So we support people who are on various um, parts of that journey in helping them feel comfortable in their body and helping them feel positive about about their journey because um, it, it allows for that physical development if that's what they want to go down, but it also allows for a really comfortable space just to be talk and just to be like um you know your fitness journey is is like other journeys and there's bumps and there's hard parts but we can work our way through that together and it's a really lovely it's a really good place to talk and 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 connect with people Mm. Mm. so yeah one thing i need to make clear is so your your gym they're the only person in the gym besides Mm. you yeah so they can be themselves completely say whatever they want to say Do whatever they want to do. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. always make it really clear that we, we are a counselling service. So mm-hmm. even though you're surrounded by a squat cage and a lifting platform and hex bars and, and barbells and dumbbells and all sorts of really interesting stuff, we are a counselling service. And uh, the same rules and the same um, you know uh, laws apply in that counselling services anywhere. So no one else is there. No one else can, can hear you. Um, we have our mandatory notification rules, but other than that, it's a confidential counselling service, and um, I think that's really powerful because, again, um, for those people who struggle with talk therapies, it doesn't look like a counselling service, doesn't feel like a counselling service, and that gives them that opportunity to just, I feel a bit better about the world, I feel a bit better about um, talking here because I don't feel like I've been in these talk settings where it's a couch and the mm-hmm. and the and the worker talking to me, that counselor talking to me. So. so it doesn't look like a duck. It doesn't sound like a duck, but it's a duck. It's definitely a duck. It's <laughs> okay. definitely a duck. And right. and that's what makes my job so wonderful and dynamic because I've got the social worker talking, I've got the gym person talking, I've mm-hmm. got I've got um, you know lots going on in my head at the same time. But at the same time, uh, but I need to let that come out really calmly be thinking about the exercise, be thinking about what the client is talking to me at the same time. But that's what I love doing, and that's the, the dynamics of the, of the, um, that I love about working with kids. Mm. So when you said kids that have trouble going to school, are you talking about like agoraphobia or what they're getting beat up? Or what, yes. what do you mean they can't go to school? What, so it, what, I don't it, understand. It could be a lot of different reasons why students, uh, people who are struggling to get to school. It could be a history of bullying. That mm-hmm. That is one that comes across. And it, it could be um, just uh, like a, a lack of um, drive or anxiety could be a really big, prominent one that's uh, it's causing people. And it could be even stuff like um, learning challenges that are facing them. That means that they can't get to school because they're worried about going to school and, and not being successful. And again, that's where we offer them a space of success. Um, that's where the gym can be a place where they can get a sense of success and they can begin to say, I am worthy, I am worth it. I am able to do things uh, that I didn't think I could, and that's where we can begin those conversations. So 
Um, we've had um, you know people who've been out of school for two or three years um, integrate back into school really successfully, and we're really proud of them for doing that. And we know that their family had a huge part of that, um, but we're also really proud that we've been able to share that journey with them and challenge them in the gym and say, um, you know, you can like give them situations where they're having to push their body and push past a comfort zone in the gym, and then talk to them about, okay, you can push past your comfort zone here. Can we push past comfort zones in the school and how can we do that? Um, because the gym just offers so many um, powerful learning experiences um, from goal setting. You know, someone comes to me and says, I want to bench press 60 kilos. Okay, cool. You're not going to do that today. We're going to work step by step by step by step getting to that point. Mm. Um, and then, um, you know, how are we going to do that? We analyze that. We work our way through that. And then we can have a really powerful discussion. Okay, so you want to get back to school. We use the exact same method as we to get back to school as we did for them to get that bench press up. It's that step by step by step. What are we going to do to get there and how are we going to do that? So the powerful thing that I learned through through my as I going full circle back to the start of the interview, the powerful thing I learned is uh, exercise is a way of learning so many skills, so many powerful life lessons that you then can apply to the real world and mm. that's what we love doing wow that's that is fabulous stuff i we're we're gonna that's just too good for me to 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 add on to so we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna wrap things up here in just a little bit with uh, anthony simons radio italia uno You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Anthony, in the little bit of time we have left, uh, you kind of alluded at some success stories in the last session. Can you give us an example or two? Yeah, so I think one of my – one of the success stories I feel – I would say most proud of, but also I think has has really um, um, challenged – challenge the, the the client in question is i had a, had a young a young woman come to the service for the first time um she had kind of been in and out of a few different services before hadn't quite found the right one that fit um and you know had had some experience playing some sports before but um you know not not really not really um not really uh hadn't worked out a gym before any of those kind of things and um she she came to me and, and we started working out and we found out that she was I, I identified very quickly she was one of the strongest people physically strongest people I've I'd seen in a long time. Mm. Um, she didn't know this, but her movement patterns, her her strength was just so evident. And um, we we have a community board in our in our fit and well gym where people write down their personal bests and that is a a a thing they use to track themselves and to to set goals and to be really ambitious about their goals but also helps me and she set a goal for a, a deadlift movement that she did and she smashed it within a week or two and she became the best um uh, deadlift mover in in our group and she would have never thought she could do that she would have never thought she was it was possible for her to do that and to see her physical genuinely physical expression of happiness 
when she lifted those bars and when she was working out was something that was not only um, great for me as a practitioner, but it was infectious. It was something I walked away from buzzing at the end of all of our sessions where we would watch her lift because it was obvious that she did not know the strength she had. She did not know how good she could be. She did not know that how how powerful she can be and that inner strength she had and it just came to the floor in that gym room each time she worked out with me and it was yeah it was something that I I looked in an awe in awe of not because of the of what she was doing but just to physically see this person grow as a person become confident in their abilities and become confident that I can do things that other people can't I am a strong person and it's something to be proud of and something that I can be, it was something that I was um, like, again, it, it's something that I remember walking away from sessions with, with her and just buzzing. It was just something I was so, I was so on a high after working, after seeing, seeing that kind of thing. Cause um, yeah, it, it was just really empowering to see that. And um, lots of, that's an experience of lots of the people in our gym. And then how did, how did you parlay that into helping her in her everyday life? That inner strength is something we picked on and said, you are a strong person. Now, she came from quite a, a harsh background. Mm-hmm. And we, what we built on is we said, look at, the, look at the strength you have. Look at your ability to do things you didn't know you could do. Look at the, your ability to push yourself and, be, and just be, be, be better as a person and, and work hard and achieve things. And that's where we we saw that personal growth that suddenly she grew in confidence she suddenly grew into a person who said i can do stuff like i can i can challenge myself i can try things and it's okay if i fail because i can get up and go again mm. and it was tremendously powerful to watch her grow and develop into a very a very powerful and a very phys- a strong young woman but also a very a very inner inner strength within her grew greatly and i think that helped her challenge some demons that were sitting in her past that maybe said i'm strong i can get through this i'll mm. be okay and um it was something that I still look back on as one of one of many, but one of my proudest stories was watching that happen and just being a part of that journey. Mm. So do you have a sponsor or an investor that's trying to help you in this mission to help other people, or is it just you and your wife? It's just me and my wife, um, and wow. it's it's been a, a, a wonderful journey. Um, I always make it really clear when people talk to me about this. I, I'm a social worker. That's that's what I'm great at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, um, we've we've never had any um, any support from from organisations. Um, we've just plodded along and done the best we can with what we had. And, wow! And um, enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, we we've, we've, we've just us two, um, and we've got some lovely family who support us um, and just nurture our business. But uh, yeah, it's just us two doing our bit. Well, if there's any uh, Shark Tank like people out there listening this sounds like a a a great uh thing to get involved in and get behind um so uh how how can people listeners learn about you and and do you have any room for more clients yeah we've got we've got some availability to us one thing we are we are very clear on is that we are very community focused and what that means for us is 
we talk directly often as much as possible we talk directly to parents we 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 try not to to outsource too far and talk to big companies we try and talk really directly to parents because we want to hear from them about their child and their experiences together because we want that relationship so we do have that availability and the normal way that we get people get in contact with us is through our facebook and they send us a message and just we start that conversation and we and that's where we start that conversation, as we said, about building the service. So that's where we start to say, give us an understanding of, of your child, what, what we can do and how we can support them. Because um, one of the questions we always get is, what does a session look like with you? And I can never answer that question because every session is unique, genuinely unique to that person. So, And what's your Facebook page? Um, it's uh, www.facebook.com forward slash fit and well ad- Adelaide. So. Is it fit? And the letter N and well? well, yeah. Adelaide. Yep. Fit yeah. and well Adelaide. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Some great stuff. Uh, I want to thank you again, Anthony, for being with us today. And I want to thank Mark Aston for paneling for us. And as always, uh, I'm going to leave you with a quick uh, inspirational message uh, for your review. You probably know that Thomas Edison tried thousands of times to improve the filament inside the light bulb so he could create a long-lasting product which would be commercially viable. But did you know that he was deaf from the age of 12? Did you know that he only had five years of sporadic schooling? Did you know that he lost $2 million in a mining adventure? And that $2 million back then is equivalent to about $60 million U.S. today or about $100 million Australian dollars. Did you know that he had 1,093 patents? You probably know he's credited with inventing things like the phonograph and the first durable light bulb and the electrical vote recorder and the multiplex telegraph and the carbon microphone and the first x-ray machine and the first motion picture camera and on and on and on. But did you know that he had hundreds and hundreds of inventions that nobody wanted to buy? Did you also know that in December of 1914, his entire workshop and factory, all 13 buildings, burnt pretty much down to the ground with all of his life's work, all of the prototypes, and all of the research in them? The damage exceeded $2 million in 1914, which again, in today's money, would be about $60 million U.S. dollars or $100 million Australian dollars. He was also only insured for about a tenth of that because the damage to the the buildings were made of concrete and thought unable to burn. So Edison, at the age of 67, watched his entire life's work literally go up in flames, flames that were over 100 feet high. You would have thought he would have said something like, oh my God, what are we going to do? How could this happen? This is a disaster. Instead, Edison's son Charles, in a 1961 interview, said that his father told him at that time, go get your mother and all her friends. They'll never see a fire like this again. When his son objected, Edison said, it's all right. We've just got rid of a bunch of rubbish. He was also quoted by the New York Times that night saying, I'm 67 years old, and tomorrow I'll start again. 
He also told his family the next morning when he woke up at 5.30 a.m. and looked at the ruins that have once been his proud factory, quote, there is great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up, unquote. Thank God we can start anew, unquote. One might think he was just talking the talk, but he noticed that he noticed that the fireman could not see through the thick smoke when his factory was burning down. So two days after the fire, he invented a powerful battery-powered flashlight. Three weeks later, all his workers were back to work in different buildings. And the very first year after the fire, 1915, he turned over 10 million dollars in revenue. Today, 